0: People are going to find your website. They want to kind of come in, see who you are. Is this a person I can trust, more or less? What might I get out of the experience? And can I make an appointment? So you have to think like that. That's a lot about in the usability. There's there's different techniques. There's a whole science in it. I'm
1: Michael Max, and this is Geological. I've been thinking about retirement, partly Because somewhere in your 60s is when a person is supposed to begin to consider that. And partly because I've been talking to some acupuncturists lately who have retired and about what that means for them. And also in part because it occurred to me that retirement isn't necessarily something we do as a grand gesture of stepping back. It's a process that we engage all the time as a part of growing from one phase of life and into another. Retirement doesn't mean quit. It doesn't mean stop doing what you dislike. It doesn't mean stopping doing what you do because you don't need the money. Retirement is an active part of growing into a new phase of life. Retirement is setting aside something that has been a core aspect of how we orient to our days, and in that liminal space, find a new pivot for how we grow meaning into our lives. We retire ideas, ways of perceiving and believing the world to be a particular way. We retire ideology that has given a form and a structure to how we create meaning and choose how we orient to the actions that we take in the world. We retire styles of clothing, eating habits, and lifestyle choices. Over time, we again and again step out of habits preferences and commitments and allow ourselves to find a new center. Retirement is an exhale of appreciation for what has brought us to this particular moment. It invites a pause to consider the harvest of our efforts and labors. It's an opportunity to recognize what is now firmly in our bones that we can take forward and what might no longer serve that can be laid to rest or given away to someone else to benefit their journey. Retirement isn't an event. It's a process of disentanglement, a cleansing of the vision, a sorting and rearranging that allows for new ways of structuring and unfolding the day. Perhaps more than anything, it's an invitation to a way of perceiving that allows for other ways of being of reorienting to our North Star, of considering that we threw away or threw in with influences that are inviting a reevaluation. Like shedding a shell, this is a tender moment in time, more malleable than otherwise everyday life. Retiring is not just about letting go. It's about bringing in a harvest, recognizing the distillation of experience that we take forward into another form of expression. Yes, there is a process of withering away that goes with retirement, but it's like the stalk of last year's flowers that fade as the root gathers and generates with renewed strength for another season of growth. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members, All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? Acufast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show... Listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine, and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi, folks. I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month, too. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change, versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things, are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride, knowing that you're helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www accufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up in available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, You can mention the show or use the code GEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. It's hard to imagine any business not having a presence of some sort on the internet in terms of a website. Just like 25 years ago, it would have been ridiculous to say you had a business, but no business cards. Even if someone gives you a great word-of-mouth referral, you can count on that potential new patient first having a look at your website, because there is what other people say about you, and then there's what you have to say about yourself, and more importantly, how you say it. Today's guest, Mike Kay, used to design websites and user interface experiences, so much of what we take for granted in internet land is actually... Well thought out and considered, and while you don't need to be versed in the latest A-B testing or understand how eyes move across a page so that you know where to locate the buy button for greatest effect, there are some basics that are worth your consideration. Let's get into this. Mike K., welcome to Geological.
0: Hello, Michael. Great to be here on this beautiful uh, spring day.
1: Beautiful spring day. What's the beautiful spring day look like outside of your window?
0: Here it's sunny, I think uh, low 60s, which it hasn't been in New York until this week.
1: Sounds lovely. Outside my window it's raining and they say we get tornadoes tonight.
0: Oh, hope you have a basement.
1: We do have a basement. It's actually a nice basement. Part of my clinic, actually. It's <laughs> if we need to sleep there, it's good. If you need acupuncture needles, we'll have that. Oh, perfect!
0: <laughs> You'll be able to treat the shen at least.
1: We can treat the shen, yeah. Treat the shen that's such a big topic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Treat the shen. I don't know about you. I was just thinking the other day about treating the shen like the shen, like what's the shen? Oh, the spirit, the heart. And for so long, I've just kind of nodded my head like, oh yeah, I know what that means. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the early stages of dementia. (laughs) But I sometimes ask the question like, okay, the heart, the Shen, like what are we actually really talking about?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been various definitions that I've learned from instructors of mine. But when I'm in clinic, I'm not the kind of practitioner that works really great with the person who comes in and is actually asking for things like that, like treating the shin to align my chakras. Or, but I find that when I'm kind of connecting with their shin and treating their sore shoulder or their digestive issues or, or whatnot, that's kind of how I treat the shin I'm, I'm keeping the shin in mind. Mm. And so I think every needle that I, I'm certain a person I'm interacting with the shin it's somehow rather than oh, okay, I will throw in do twenty because it's a wonderful point, but yeah, sometimes that's thought of oh okay, throw in something here for the shin.
1: what you just said, every needle that you put in interacts with the shin i've never heard anybody say it that way, I think you're right though, yeah, and I think you're right because anytime you put a needle in, you're interacting with the body in a very intimate and very physical and very present way. How could the body not notice? Right? If acupuncture is as powerful as we like to think it is and we say it is, then yes, every needle would interact with the Shen. And I was having an email conversation with somebody recently because we were talking about the on Method and I was suggesting, yeah, when you first start, Do four needles, one side, that's it, period, stop. Mm -hmm. Treat one channel, one side, find out if your diagnosis is right or not. That treatment will tell you. You'll get a good response, and then you'll know something, or you'll get no response, okay, I missed the mark, or you'll get a bad response, Mm -hmm. okay, do the opposite. But if you start putting in a bunch of other stuff, then the body has several messages. It doesn't know what to do. You're telling me to do this and then you're telling me to do that, oh, and then there's something else here. You know how we often say things like, I'm going to put in these couple needles here to cover my bases
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I think what that means is we don't know. And so, we're guessing and we're going to throw a couple needles in because maybe they'll help. But if each needle actually contacts the shen, what the hell is that kind of treatment doing to a person's shen? It would disorient them, I think.
2: Hmm. I guess
1: once or twice I have done
0: that, the covering the bases. Thing.
1: Oh, my God. Are you kidding? I've done it hundreds of times. <gasps>
0: <laughs> I was oh. I was exaggerating. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's right there. There's
0: that point there. Like, hmm,
1: I haven't. Spleen nine is looking right at me. <laughs> well, and sometimes there is that.
2: Yeah.
1: Do you have that sometimes where you're like palpating or just, I don't know, whatever, like a point, it just like shows up. Yeah. Needle me. And you're like, why should I needle you? You do XYZ, blah, 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 you don't really fit. Yeah. But the point's like, no, needle me. I actually palpate a lot.
0: Mm. I'm actually pretty physical with the way I work because I began the medicine with some familiarity with Twina. So that's become sort of how I work with patients, usually with the orthopedic patients I'm more hands on. And so I'll do that. I'll kind of look at channels. I've been. Reading book that Dr. Wang, the...
1: Yeah, Dr. Wang Yi. Yeah, channel Applied Channel Theory.
0: Yeah, and so I really like that approach, and so that's something I'm trying to develop in my own way. Kind of read the body. What's the body telling me? Mm-hmm. When I got interested in medicine, I would do some tween. I I learned some... Back in the day, when I was studying martial arts, I learned some basic Twina, just enough to get me into trouble.
1: Uh-huh. How did you get in trouble with Twina? <laughs> well, you know, I, I knew just a little.
0: I, well, back in the day, I studied with, with martial arts with Tom Bizio.
1: Oh, you were doing that Twina? Yeah. All right, that's some badass. That Junggu Twina, that is some badass Twina.
0: Yeah, so even back in the day, there was some bone-setting stuff, and I'm going, well, what am I doing here? You know? It's like, yeah. But you kind of got it, but I was I was a lot younger then. And so I would just practice on friends, of course. It wasn't anything professional, but I would start to notice, what's this here? What am I feeling under my finger? And go, this might be an acupuncture point. That's one of the things that like, kind of fed me. is like there's something going on here. It's not just feeling some stiffness in the muscle. It's like something deeper than that.
1: It's a great question. What is this here? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's like not blank your mind, but calm your mind, right? Still your attention. Put your hands on people. Huh? What's this? Yeah. It's all kinds of weird stuff under the skin and in the tissues. Yeah. When you start feeling for it. And sometimes I got no idea other than, what the hell is this?
2: Mm hmm.
0: And I think I'm no expert in the classics, but I don't even read a lick of the Chinese, but. I think that's a lot of these things are referring to this sort of, this observational medicine kind of talking around the stuff that sometimes we might interpret a little too literally. I think it's, I don't know. There's can't think of an example, but there's this, it's like, Using the what are the, the different methods when you're doing an intake with a patient, the hearing the smelling, the seeing mm. all your different senses, so what are you seeing in the patient? well it's what you're seeing with your eyes maybe, and what you're seeing on their tongue, but maybe you're seeing things that aren't literally with the eyes. This is something I have been exposed to actually in Qigong, studying with it. Another teacher of mine is Dr. Steven Jaowitz who Teach us some of that. Like you sit with a patient. What do you smell? You you try to cancel out those other smells that are distracting. Mm. What are you smelling in the patient? Maybe they don't have any kind of notable smell. But you're use, you're kind of engaging that senses, that part of the brain somehow.
1: So you're using more than the eyes to see.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's kind of where
2: I've
0: been playing around with my practice, because I think diagnosis. Is the most challenging thing. I mean, I've been only practicing for five years, and that is the thing that really confounds me. Because sometimes, sometimes it seems pretty clear, but a lot of times, I'm kind of yeah. This could be anything. This could be blood. This could be cheese. Yeah, it probably is all of those things. Yin and yang and everything under the sun. Maybe every organ involved as well. What is really the diagnosis? What is really the meaningful
1: mm-hmm.
0: angle on this?
1: What is the meaningful thing in this? It's a great way to think about diagnosis. Yes, there's a bunch of stuff here. You need to figure out something useful. Like what's the thing that stands out? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is good news or bad news, Mike. You say you've been added it five years. Diagnosis is diagnosis a little bit rough that way? Mm-hmm. it's still this way after you've been here for a long time. It, and here's the funny thing for me. It can be annoying, but it's also in part where the fun is, and it's also in part where the really worthwhile challenges of being still enough, of being clear enough, of being able to sit with someone in the way that you just described, where you're seeing but you're not really using your eyes, where you're smelling as kind of an investigation, not like I'm gonna put a check mark in a box, but like what's here? Mm-hmm. And in some ways that's the really cool part. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. There's a word game called Wordle. Are you familiar with Wordle?
0: Vaguely, I know it's it's all the craze now, but it's
1: all the craze. And I and I don't like word games. I mean other than Clinic, I don't like puzzles. But a bunch of people are saying, Wordle, Wordle, Wordle. I'm like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll try Wordle. And so I've been playing Wordle. I, I actually really like Wordle. Okay?
0: Yeah. I have a feeling it's addictive once you get into it.
1: Well, that. it's... It reminds me a little bit of clinic, mm-hmm. which is why I like it. So here's the deal. You put a word in you Like, pick a word, any word. I like peony and E.
2: Because
1: uh-huh. it's got an E and an O. You get some vowels out there, right? Okay. And then it tells you if you got a letter and if it's in the right place and blah, blah, blah. And your job is within six lines to guess what the word is. So the other day I put in a word and one letter lines up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's not a bad start. And then I put in the second word and I guess the word. That's it. The word just shows up. Wow. Very, very unsatisfying. It's like, oh, that was no fun. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't engaged by it. Mm -hmm. It didn't ask me to show up and engage with, all right, what is that? Oh, we got these letters here. We got that letter there, right? It was just like, okay, good guess. Lucky you. Yeah. Like, I think that happens in clinic.
0: It wasn't like you are engaged with the universe and the universe told you the answer.
1: I wasn't engaged with the universe. It was a lucky guess. And, and sometimes I have that in clinic, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh yeah, that's really easy. Well, that's nice in a way, mm-hmm. but it lacks the engagement. And I think what I heard you talking about was a sense of engagement. That goes with being with people.
0: Yeah. And I suspect what you're saying is like, right, it never gets gets easy and or clear with a diagnosis. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe those who are like completely confident in their diagnosis, maybe they're, miss, they're missing something.
1: Sometimes it is easy. Mm-hmm. But you will get to that point. Yeah. Yes, sometimes it is easy. That's also true. Operative word here, sometimes. <laughs> One thing I
0: found is I started doing some work just to kind of kick it up a notch to make it even more challenging for me. I've been uh, studying treating Lyme disease. Oh, wow. Doing some work. Studying with somebody in upstate New York is really great with it, Hillary thing. And one thing I've learned about it is that these complex conditions, they're all over the place. To cure the person, to bring them, I don't know what what is cure, but anyways, to bring them to 100% health or whatever, you know, someplace that is really challenging, but to make their life better is actually pretty easy, Mm. because you can go in almost any direction, wherever you see, you know, just get the low-hanging fruit, and their life is going to be better.
1: I love that. So, we don't have to cure them and take them back to their pristine condition, Prior to the event, we can simply help make their life better from this point out. Yeah.
0: And then you chip away. Then you go, all right, we got that one. Yeah. What else can we do? Yeah. And then you get to them. by that point, you start to know the patient. So maybe you do have more insight into what's central. Or unless you get lucky like you did in Wordle and you get it on the second try.
1: All right. So you might get lucky, but here's the thing about getting lucky in a treatment. You learn nothing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I mean, maybe you learn something, but my suspicion is you don't learn so much.
0: Yeah, you maybe learn less, yeah.
1: Yeah, so thank you. That's helpful. I think a lot of us have this idea that we're supposed to be these like really masterful sort of characters. Someone walks in, we kind of see what the issue is, and we can restore them in profound ways. But, you know, most of us, yeah, it's like, can I see what the low-hanging fruit is? Go after that. That's not a bad day's work. Yeah. Do what you can with what's available.
0: I think sometimes with a young practitioner, you get a little intimidated when you see these very pristine case studies where they're sort of backwards engineered because they've succeeded with the patient and they're telling you why they succeed. I want to see more case studies about all the bumps they hit in the road.
1: Complete disasters.
0: Yeah, and then picking it up from there.
1: How about this? This would be great. A real bestseller, probably not, but how about like Chinese medicine's greatest fuck-ups? <laughs> there we go. I buy a copy. Like off the rail cases, you know, <laughs> like they came in like this and they left worse. <laughs> they ended up with nightmares for weeks. <laughs> you
0: know? Well, that's interesting what you said about some is that when you're off, you can you actually see that you are because it's really interesting feedback that it gets worse.
1: Generally speaking, sometimes you miss it. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you gotta be watching. Toby likes to use the complexion, but I also find that the pulse, the feeling in the room and, and the cranial rhythm, that kind of thing can also be really helpful. I mean, there's different ways. Like, whatever your markers are for seeing how things are going, like, rely on those. Mm-hmm. Because you can take people in the wrong direction. It's a very it's a highly unbalanced treatment. You know, most acupuncture treatments are kind of harmonizing. This is the opposite of harmonizing. It's like you see a problem, and you're going at that problem with everything you get in the opposite direction, Mm -hmm. fireworks sometimes. And we may circle back and talk a little more about some medicines. I mean, it's hard not to talk about medicine, right? That's what we're here for. But one of the things I wanted to invite you to today here for this conversation is the very important aspect of practice or I should say the practice of practice, mm-hmm. like a damn good website. So you were a techie before you did acupuncture. Yeah. yeah it was
0: kind of a long road before Al Gore invented the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's
1: one of, one of those.
0: Remember that? That
1: was kind of like a bit
0: of folklore. That was
1: <laughs> so funny. I remember that it's like, oh, you Democrats! All of a sudden, you, it's like <laughs> I want to love you, but you're like making me crazy now.
0: <laughs> that I worked in publishing, and so I was a graphic designer working in publications. And then in the mid '90s, I got a little restless and taught myself some HTML. There was just very little information available that was really accessible. It was all written toward engineers. And it was very dense. Thick books, which I later found, the thicker the, the technical book, the worse it's written. Oh my! So I finally found this one book and it helped me along and taught myself say, HTML, which is the code for web pages. And then I got myself a job. I lied a little bit at the interview. When I got the job, I said, "Ooh, I better make good on those lies and learn that program." I told them I said I.
1: You overpromised.
0: Yeah, I overpromised.
1: You know, it's better to underpromise and overdeliver, but you overpromised and then lit a fire under yourself. So I had a few weeks. I found the
0: program that I said I knew how to use. <laughs> taught, taught myself, <laughs> and I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> and then they loved me. I became really good at my job too.
1: Of course they did. You're capable and confident. Of course they were. Le- I did something similar in the in the mid '80s. I started learning computers just to get through school. Mm -hmm. and realized I had a little bit of a knack for it and people would ask can you do xyz and I'd be like sure like come into my business and do xyz can you do that I'd be like sure (laughs) and I have to go figure out how to do it but (laughs) I knew I could figure it out yeah yeah right
0: that was my situation too yeah
1: that was your situation too it's like oh I don't know it but I can yeah and now I know what I need to go know. so off we go in my practice
0: I kind of go a little too far the other way when I kind of show my inconfidence like well, well see what happens
1: <laughs> okay so you might want to bring some of that early computer cowboy energy to your practice yeah, yeah. not too cowboy but you know just cowboy enough
0: yeah yeah right 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 i'm not afraid like honest with them i go i don't know how this is going to go but i think it's something i i feel pretty good about you know maybe not exactly in those words but i I do it a little more soothing, put them in at ease. Yeah. Oh, anyways, back to the tech career, how are you?
1: Yeah, so you were doing tech back when you could get away with that kind of an attitude and that kind of behavior, because not many people were doing tech. And if you said you could do it, yeah. people would like take you at your words, like, okay, let's do it. And if you could show up and do it, then you get to do more.
2: Yeah.
0: And then schools develop classes and programs in web design and going, what? What? <laughs> what do you do class for that? Exactly. For? <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of practitioners in China who wonder, you know, what do they need to go to school for acupuncture? Anyway, so yeah, I, I actually the tech stuff was a little more interesting. So even though I was like working more in the visual side of things, I got a little more interested in not serious programming, but we call it interface building and yeah,
1: user design.
0: Eventually, my title got to something more glorious. Kind of what was it like? User Experience Engineer, I think was a title I had at one point, or Information Architect, things like that. It sounded a little more impressive (laughs) (laughs) rather than just web guy. Uh Uh-huh. But we're doing, there's there's a practice that I brought with that. It was something that was intuitive to me that went from my early days in design, when I was doing paste-ups by hand without a computer, was really like thinking a lot about the audience. Thinking about the, what they then in tech becomes the user.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I realized that wasn't something that was automatic for a lot of people. Were, in the early days of the web, there were a lot of really horrible web pages that you could do a lot if you could only figure out what's going on in the engineer's head and what's, what, what's going on here. Probably made sense to the one engineer who built it, and that's it.
1: Yeah, that whole idea of user interface.
0: Yeah. So, and that's why Apple, like, if you go. Apple has a lot of its success because it was, back in the day, it was the only company that that worked so hard on that. Their technology was no better than anyone else's, but they make it
3: so it was approachable to humans. Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking, Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming, or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory practice it in your own kitchen and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online. And if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much.
1: The first computer I bought was not a Macintosh. The Macintosh had just come out.
0: It was considered a joke, right? Like, that's oh, it's a toy.
1: Well, I looked at it and I thought, this is so cool. But it seemed like a toy. It's like, how could a toy be as powerful as this other thing here that I can barely understand, but I know I can do a word processing program?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I remember the salesman showing me as well. It's like, look, it does all this, but it's even better. And you got these fonts and this and that. It's like this Macintosh looks head and shoulders above this other thing. But damn it, it can't be that easy, can it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that right there is the power of someone paying attention to the user, the audience. Mm. Maybe that's why our patients get better. Sometimes we pay attention to that.
0: Yeah. It's kind of. Because it seemed like a real disconnect, how I got from working in the technology world and information world and, to Chinese medicine. And to me, it, it kind of makes sense. It's hard sometimes hard to express it. But one thing of connection is, I used to do user-centered design, and now I feel like I'm practicing patient-centered medicine.
1: That's right. That makes sense. When I was doing tech, I used to help people solve problems that they couldn't solve on their own using a technology that they didn't understand. That was my job, doing the computer work I did. Yeah. And as an acupuncturist, I help people solve problems that they can't solve on their own using a technology that they also don't understand. Oh, I like that, yeah. My job is not different. Yeah. It is fundamentally not different. The tools I use are different. The domain I work in is different. Yeah. But the work is the same. So,
0: yeah, humanizing technology, humanizing
1: medicine. Not so different. So, you did a lot of work with websites. And one of the things I wanted to chat with you a bit was about websites, because pretty much in this modern day and age, but, you know, this modern day and age has been going on long enough. Of course, everyone's going to have a website for their practice. How could you not? It's basically your business card these days. Mm. And It's not like the old days where you had to either cobble it together yourself with HTML, good luck, Mm. or I remember some of the very early programs that would let you build an HTML website. My first clinic website was built on Adobe something that no longer exists.
0: Dreamweaver probably.
1: No, 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 it was before Dreamweaver. Oh, before Dreamweaver. Yeah, I don't even remember. It was like PageMaker for the web. Ah, uh, okay. Don't even remember the name of it. Anyway, interface right out in 1998, let me tell you. hmm But these days, we all know we need a website. Seems like there's so many choices. What are your thoughts about, like for folks that we're talking to? Mm. A lot of our listeners aren't that techy. They just need a website. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like platforms and where to begin and and maybe even more importantly what what do you want to make sure is on your website right. what do you want to make sure is not on it Mhm Well first of all the platform today fortunately
0: you don't have to know any coding if you know a little bit you can go a little further but basically there's so many online resources I actually built my own website on WordPress is the online the WordPress is a little complicated because they have an a installed version that you can tinker with and open it up and take it apart, or the online version, which is very templated. And then there's other things like Wix and I actually never really looked at cheese sites, but I know a lot of colleagues use that. So you could just use one of those, and they have the template for you. Basically, this is how I did my personal website. I so said I could build a website from scratch. I have the chops to do that. I can do whatever, you know. But why? Because one thing is, when you build it from scratch, you also have to maintain that. hmm And you have to keep it, protected from vulnerabilities with hackers um, or just the servers updated, which is a lot of stuff that I barely know, barely understand. You know, I wasn't like the deep-level tech person. But you have these, like, basically free or paid services it's already there for you, and you just you just go there, and they maintain it. They worry about all keeping the software up to date, making sure it functions, making sure it displays properly.
1: So they're doing all the background tech work. You're basically buying IT services. Yeah. And someone's making sure everything's up to date and secure and all that stuff. You don't have to worry about it. Right, right.
2: And
0: so basically, the best way to do it, you figure out a domain, you buy your domain, or you can go through one of these services and, and secure a domain. So that brings you into the paid area. If you don't want the paid area, you could have something like Michael michaelkacupuncture.wordpress.com, but it's not so professional.
1: I think it's highly unprofessional. Yeah. I think it's a bad... I, personally, I mean, this is just me. I'm a persnickety guy. I think it's important that your domain... Is your own damn domain? It's not mm-hmm. my domain at something dot com, right? Yeah. I mean, how much? It's not expensive. No, no. To buy your own domain and have that, right? I mean, what's the cost per year? It's
0: per year. There depends on who you use, but it's something like twenty to thirty dollars, depending on the domain you have. Actually, I, yeah. I have a .dot nyc domain, so that's a little more money. That's about oh. forty a year. Classy. Yeah, some of those other domains. They're not as easy to remember as .com, but I got a. But when .nyc came out, since I'm in New York City, because I got it early, I was actually able to get Eastern Medicine Good
1: job. Which
0: .com, I, I wouldn't be able to have that.
1: Yeah, I mean .com is kind of the gold standard. People are used to it. Mm-hmm. But I know people in the tech industry they'll often use like Fm if it has to do with communications. Right. Mm. Or .io, oh, okay. You know, if it has to do with you know some kind of technical infrastructure, there, there's all kinds of little little games like that. But
0: yeah. they even have .biz now, which is weird because .com was supposed to be that,
1: you know, the commercial website. But yeah, but no one uses .biz. Why would you use .biz? No one's going to remember that.
0: Yeah. But I guess it's that you're more likely to get it easier to remember a unique thing that with that added thing they have to remember the .biz.
1: And that's hard. I don't think it's forgettable.
0: Yeah. That's a little bit with the .nyc is a little bit of a liability. But also for an acupuncturist, I don't think we have to have the bar so high. We don't have to set the bar so high as far as having the perfect website, having the perfect domain name. If you're doing e-commerce, those things matter a lot more. Mm. But this is, like you say, it's more or less a business card which, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what your goals are. I mean, that's another thing that people need to do is really consider what do they want to get out of their website. And it's easy to think, oh, yeah, I want to sell all kinds of products and do online booking and do all that. Well, just remember, everything you add to it, that's more work, that's more complexity.
1: More stuff to break.
0: Yeah, more stuff to break, too. So if you start off simple... You do with us in reach, just like treating this. My strategy in treating uh, complex patients. All right, let's let's take care of some of the low mm. low hanging fruit, and you get something up there. Wonderful thing about the web is you can always change it. It's not like printing a business card. Oh, I just printed a thousand business cards and I misspelled something. Oops. Oops.
1: <laughs> I printed a thousand business cards and my lease just didn't go through. <laughs> Dress is wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can make changes quickly. That's yeah. definitely wonderful. So, what would you say, Mike, is the low hanging fruit mm. of having a website? What do people need to have on there? What's the most important stuff? Basically,
0: communicate something about yourself give some indication of your personality, which takes a little bit of creativity there. And then give patients an idea of what to expect. That's basically it. You can go in and explain all about what acupuncture is and everything. But usually if people are coming to your website, they have some idea of acupuncture. And that might be a good conversation for the first treatment. Mm-hmm. But to you know, explain everything, oh, this is a tradition that's three thousand some years old and based on this and this. I mean that can be really nice text to have and something nice to read. But if you put that up front, it's a little bit too generic, I think. I think you know, it's like people are gonna find your website, they wanna kinda come in, see who you are, is this a person I can trust more or less? What might I get out of the experience? And can I make an appointment? Mm -hmm. so you have to think like that that's a lot about in the usability there's there's different techniques there's a whole science in it some of it is like role playing it can be that putting yourself in the shoes of different kinds of patients it's not just one patient because there's not just one kind of patient but you might you know okay somebody's coming in who just has a acute back lower back pain they just need some relief really quick they somehow can Get over to their phone, even though they can't really sit up straight, type something in to their web browser or the map application on their phone and see who's out there. All right. You have somebody else who's said, Okay, I'm here. I'm had digestive issues for half of my life. I want to treat it. I want to start going to acupuncture regularly. That's a different use case.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They're, they're going to, and so you put yourself in the shoes of a few of these people. Thinking, well, what are they going to be looking for?
1: So you're saying that, like, the copy that you use on your website, or something about the presentation of your website, it has to connect with the person who just typed in, basically, "help me." Yeah, yeah. On their cell phone, it, it needs to to resonate with them.
0: Yeah. So you need to make it clear you're offering acupuncture, and hopefully that you're treating their condition the problem is
1: you can you can put a long list of 50
0: or 100 conditions and that might not work so well either
1: i actually think it doesn't work well at all yeah i mean i'm a little bit opinionated mm-hmm. but whenever i see those lists of acupuncture treats and there's this long ass list mm-hmm. i'm thinking if acupuncture treats all that maybe acupuncture treats nothing <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? It's like those those it's like anything that says, Well, we take care of everything. Mm-hmm. Nothing takes care of everything.
0: A little bit like an infomercial, right?
1: Yeah. So you've done this work and, and you you've given this stuff some thought. How do you sort of customize the communications on your website so that instead of saying, I treat everything? you find a way to make it possible for the person who types in acute back pain that they know that you can take care of that. Or the person who types in lifelong colitis. Yeah, What can you do with your website to speak to these different people?
0: Well, I I guess I can speak of what I did on my my website. I put orthopedic issues up front. Mm. So this is one of the things the website keeps evolving, keeps changing keep editing it at first i used that word orthopedic i realized well that might not be meaningful to some people the word orthopedics to a physical therapist it certainly is but maybe to a patient who's just first time they've had back pain and not sure what to do what's a word there's a word that's similar to that that some people got confused when they saw orthopedic orthotics or something you know <laughs> yeah.
1: yes we do with foot pain <laughs> i need a pair of shoes <laughs> so
0: treating injury and pain mm. so you're not maybe, maybe you're not saying back pain but it's enough to get them oh well you treat injury and pain does that include back pain now the colitis so i promote both that kind of thing, and also the Lyme disease, Lyme and complex oh. conditions, Lyme disease and other complex health conditions. Now, somebody who's got colitis, yeah, there's got to be some way, get, oh, and, and other things, you know, like an et cetera, I guess. For that. But maybe, right, there's a risk of like, if you do that, etc. cetera, well, yeah, he'll tell me I'm broke and I need some money, and he'll tell me I can cure that and make me rich and I don't believe that. So I don't know how how well that would communicate.
1: Yeah, wow, that'd be an amazing acupuncturist. I can treat you so you're no longer broke. (laughs) (laughs) So I like how you have these kind of taglines that are using the language that people would actually type into their browser. Some people will type in help for orthopedic issues, but most people are going to type in back pain, Mm. right, foot pain. They're they're gonna type it in the way that they talk.
0: Mm. Or what I did, I said acupuncture. So this is a thing, the phrase SEO, which maybe most people already know what that stands for, search engine optimist.
1: Yes, I think a lot of people probably wasted money on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you you get spam folders full of offers to help you with that. And a lot of it's just common sense. And that's how the search engines want to work. They try to see what makes more common sense. Doing all kinds of tricks and jumping through hoops. Maybe worked a little bit in the early days, but it's just basically how is, how does your page read? So one little trick is the page title. So sometimes you see in the page title, it'll see like, it might have some beautiful name like Blue Dream Holistic. Somebody's not going to look in, a, in search in a web browser for Blue Dream Holistic. So maybe, yeah, okay, that title's important to your identity. You want to have that on your web page. Okay. So that's the one trick. So, so so basically, you want to have that word acupuncture up. So it should be right at the beginning of your web page somewhere as you're starting to read. But it also should be in the page title. So that's the only little trick is that you think a little bit more about the page title. hmm I'd be so cutesy about it. I'd even be really practical.
1: Now what about putting valuable information because people will be searching on it and because you want Google to index it? Put it in the footer of your website. Because then it ends up on every single page of your website.
2: Yeah.
0: The thing is kind of been in fashion for a little while on web pages is the single page website. And so what that is, is a lot of these templates support that. And to explain how these work is basically you have all that information on a web page Mm -hmm. and so that it's all searchable really easily at the top of your website. Technology-wise, well, it's done for that. And secondly, in a telephone, when you're looking through a web browser on a phone.
1: Oh, mobile. Okay.
0: It's a lot easier to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll.
1: Than to jump from page to page.
0: Yeah. So that's another reason for that. So when you're on a computer, a good template like this will also have the navigation, which you can also use from the phone, but it's not as convenient. And so it works well on a full-size browser and computer monitor, where you can click around and it will be sort of anchored to different. And scroll you to that position in the page. So you say, Oh, about Mike. Okay. You click on that button and it gets you right to the bio.
1: That's a really good idea. I hadn't thought about that. I think it's an artifact of my age. Mm-hmm. I use a computer more than my cell phone. Mm-hmm. But I know that most people these days are using mobile and used to doing some kind of scrolling thing. Twitter is scrolling, mm-hmm. Instagram is scrolling, Facebook is scrolling. These been taught scroll for what you're looking for and so that one page scroll through it website optimized for mobile that makes a lot of sense
0: yeah and either sophisticated the coding in the page will different on a commu- computer monitor than it does on the telephone mm-hmm. the idea is it's going to look right on both yeah and actually when you're making your web page you want to keep previewing on both as a side note this is one of the things that kind of pushed me into a career change hated designing for the phone <laughs> uh-huh and it became that because i started in doing like paste up, where you'd like cut out galleys of type and pasting up newspapers that's where i started and i liked that physicality yeah and then it was wonderful when with technology the amount of things you could do but it became less and less and less about information and more and more about just these kind of homogenous apps that that's why like i had the idea of oh after i graduate maybe i'd also keep a business going and develop websites for practitioners so so that's something that i decided not to do because i don't really enjoy it and and i realized to actually do a good website it takes a lot of focus and not something you can just casually kick out and so that takes time and you have to charge people for that too and also take away from your practice
1: there's that You need to know what your priorities are. Spot on with that. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing, and you were alluding to this earlier, that there's all these services out there. There's Squarespace, there's Twix, there's WordPress. Install it yourself. There's WordPress out in the cloud. There's probably other things out there too. There's plenty. There's plenty these days, and they are templated. So in a way, you don't need a designer because A designer made those templates, and they're, for most of us, darn good enough. Yeah, It's just a matter of how do you fill it out.
0: Yeah. You don't need a visual designer, but if I were still in the industry, I'd say you still need
1: an information designer. Okay, great. I'm glad you bring that up because I think that's a very powerful distinction, and I suspect that's how people can have their websites stand apart and be notable from other websites that are also selling acupuncture. Yeah. So what should people know about so that they are designing their information so that they really stand out? So when people hit their website, people go, oh man, this does not look like any acupuncture website I've been on.
0: I don't know how important it is to stand out. I think it's, to stand apart it's more about i guess reflecting your personality somehow Mm. for mine i used images i think the images can help the choice of images and i seriously mean this don't steal images it's not worth it and it's also it's not very professional it's not ethical but there's a lot of those libraries of images you can buy images and it's not a lot of money stock images
1: yeah, Adobe has that. There's there's a lot of stock images out there. Yeah. A lot of services. They're like what twenty twenty five bucks a month or something. They're not that expensive.
0: Yeah, you can buy like an image for ten dollars. Yeah, like I actually did a brochure where I used some stock images, and I didn't want to use the same acupuncture image that I have seen all over the place.
1: Why not? Why didn't you want to do that?
0: Okay, so there we is to stand
2: apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's your question.
1: Yeah.
0: So I found there's there's so much out there, it's really easy. Enter in your web browser and you can find a bunch. Yeah, you can find some that are very expensive, but you can find a lot that are pretty affordable.
1: Where do you like to go to find your images? <laughs> the web is big.
0: <laughs> well, I've gotten, you know, to a point in my life i I just turned 60, so it's like I don't like hold on to information that I don't need to hold on to.
1: I think when after you turn 60, there's a lot that we no longer hold on to. Mm. And that's not the problem. That's actually the liberation of of getting north of 60. Yeah. I suspect that's true. Lillian Bridges said, after the age of 60, you can no longer use your will to do what's not in your highest good. Oh, I actually listened to that. podcast. that was great. I love that. Listening to that
0: podcast made me so look forward to turning 60.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, it also involves some loss. There is definitely some loss, but there is something gained in not having so damn much noise in your life mm-hmm. that can happen north of 60. So,
0: Yeah, you realize the kind of energy you put into things that aren't so meaningful.
1: It, We're slower.
0: I guess with time, maybe we do the same things a little slower than other people. But I think that's because we're more deliberate. Everything is, we see a little more, we see more complexity in everything. So everything is a little more complex. But because I might get things done a bit slower than I did in my twenties or thirties, I'm smarter. I'm not going to waste my time Mm -hmm. as much. I still do some time wasting things, but going in circles, doing things. So.
1: I'm going in circles at high speed. Yeah. Better do the circle once at low speed, get the job done, now on to the next thing. Yeah. And not have to go back and fix that thing I was doing because I thought it was multitasking, but it was actually making mistakes.
2: Yeah.
0: So I guess going back to what should be in one's web page, it can be very simple.
1: Mm.
0: And it could follow the same template, but I think people can be creative enough to, to riff off of that. But, I think the About page is very important on a practitioner website because that's how you show who you are. And it shouldn't read like a resume. You think about, think of your audience, think what's relevant to them. Talk a little bit about who you are and why you do this medicine and what you're good at and idea of your personality in that. They don't need to know your all of your qualifications, every last one, every. Little certificate and CEU that you've completed?
1: I get really nervous when I go to someone's website and they've got this long, long, long list of qualifications. Mm-hmm. It makes me not want to go see them. Mm-hmm. But that's just me, and I'm a very, very quirky character. When I look at that, I think, that person does not seem very secure to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're perfectly great and it's just they've done it poorly. Or it could also be like they really have no idea, so they're just gonna throw everything out there.
1: Or there are people who like to see someone who has lots of qualifications and it will draw those people. Yeah. It very well could do that. It's like, wow, this person has all this stuff. That's who I want to see. That's true. That's true.
0: Yeah. I realize that. Like, I'm not the practitioner for everyone. Like I I have more of a down to earth. Kind of connection, and people of all walks of life—from very humble people to treated some pretty wealthy individuals too—and they they've liked my approach. But I know there's other people who want that spa experience. They want to have everything perfect to a T. They want you to tell them exactly what they need to do. And I'm not that practitioner. But there's people who come in all the time who are looking for that practitioner and. I still haven't gotten the confidence to be okay with that, but I'm kind of like trying to like talk around that a little bit, like advocate what I, my approach and why that kind of changes the conversation a little bit. But I realize also like they're not going to like me.
1: So something I found very helpful because I answer my own phones. I've got a small practice and I keep it simple. So I talk to people. I I don't have a phone, you know, front desk person, but if I did, I'd train them to do this. That if someone isn't a good fit, I just get a sense in talking to them. It's like, oh man, no, this is not going to work well. Mm -hmm. But they might work well. And I I try to know a number of other practitioners who work way differently than I do. And they might be a good fit. So that when I talk to that person, I go, yep, nope. Here's the best way I can help you. I'm going to refer you to Stanley down the street. Because Stanley, this is how Stan works and just send them on their way.
0: I love that idea because not only should we be able to refer people to other kinds of providers, but to other kinds of acupuncturists. Yeah. I've done it a couple times. Like I will treat patients who want to address fertility, and I do pretty good at it, women's health, but it's not my specialty. And I tell them, I tell them right off, I can treat you for this. If you want a specialist in this, I have a friend of mine who's – specialize in this, and I can refer you to her. But if you want to work with me, I'm happy to work with you, and I think we can get some good success. Half the time, they stick with me. It's good to know her measure. Other times, I'm
1: happy to pass them on to my friend. Yeah, yeah. So we alluded to SEO a few minutes ago. Mm. You were talking about how there's always a kabillion offers. You'll find them in your spam folder. Mm. When people often spend hundreds of dollars, I got my site SEO'd. Makes no difference in their Google search. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the most important aspects of SEO that people need to pay attention to? Well, and maybe could even do themselves.
0: Yeah. So there's the hierarchy of the information. So having acupuncture right at the top. Mm-hmm. Things that people are going to search for in coming to your website. If you like we just I just mentioned fertility. If you're a specialist in fertility, acupuncture for fertility, acupuncture. For pregnancy, have that right up front. Have that in your page title mm-hmm. as well. Another thing is linking to your website. So that's a little more complicated. And so there's some of these SEO services, real, the real shady ones. What they'll do is they'll create a bunch of false websites that'll link to your page. But the search engines are smart.
1: Oh, man. They're going to ding you if they find that, right? Yeah.
0: So if they find that these aren't genuine links to your website, yeah, they'll ding you for that.
1: These links are all going to a link farm in yeah. the Crimea. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might even be the name for it. You know, link farm. <laughs> so I don't know. I just kind of organically, I, it's weird. Like I don't see myself as an SEO expert and I'm not, I, but I've been around and I have some idea how it works. So I did to the best I could. Work and I still tinker with it because I said, eh, maybe I need to change the wording a little bit, maybe this and that. But I did a, uh, oh, this is another thing to promote your practice that's free, is on Google, if you don't already have a a listing for your practice on Google, you should do that. Google Maps. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I've done well as far as marketing in my website. But I'm not a social media person. I know I should. I know I need to do Instagram. I even have an Instagram.
1: Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. How <laughs> do you know you need to do Instagram?
0: I don't know. See, this is, everybody does it. Yeah. I don't get it. I like to share photos. I like to put pictures of my dog in Instagram. I get joy out of that. Or, or.
1: Then use Instagram for that. I worked in a concerted effort for about five years to see if I could get Facebook to send me patients. Uh-huh. Right. I did the the ads and the targeting and the this and the that and the sharing and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I really worked it. Mm -hmm. Never got anyone from Facebook. Ever. Never.
0: Oh, that's good. You saved me the hard work. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's just me. Now, I know people that run their whole damn business on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're like digital sharecroppers. Facebook goes down, they're out of business.
0: I think to make it work for those things, and some people are are into that, you have to be in there and do it all the time. Same thing if you do a blog. Well, that's something you do well, of course, uh, the podcast. Mm. You have to be in there regularly. It helps. Google Maps, you don't have to be there as regularly. So it's good for people like me who get, although I used to work in the internet, I'm a little bit online phobic these days.
1: Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP certified facilities and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective People are going to go search for you anyway, and you want to show up there. Plus, people can do reviews and things of that nature. Yeah. That's always helpful when they've searched your clinic, and it pops up, oh, look, six reviews, and, and they can, you know, they instantly get a hit. Yeah. I think that is low-hanging fruit.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, once in a while, I just send emails or messages to patients, hey, here's a link to my Google listing. Can you help out and write a review? Yeah. And I think that helps too. So what happened? I, so I live in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is people outside of New York realize it, it used to be its own city. That's you have the five boroughs, and
1: it's not its own city. I thought I always thought it was its own thing. It kind of it is its own thing. You yeah, know, it's like its own country,
0: three million people or something. And I live in a neighborhood who's I don't know some couple hundred thousand people in there. But I think some of it's luck. So maybe I didn't learn as much from this experience. Going back to your thing, it happened so easy, maybe. <laughs> If you don't learn as much from it, but I kind of just followed what I understood I should do, and I've tested this out because I don't bookmark myself, mm. and I've just from responses I get from people calling on the phone for a mile radius, which is huge and broken. There's in a mile radius, I don't know how many people live within a mile radius of me, but it could be close to a hundred thousand people, and or fifty thousand at least, but. I come up when they search in Google Maps, not in Google itself, because there's other people who've paid. Because in Google's search engine, it helps to pay a little bit to get up there. But, because it's like getting ads and things like that. But in the maps, the map is just basically straightforward. There's really no ads in the map. You just go in there and... Yes. It's a tool to find. And so acupuncture near me and there i am and i get calls all the time people coming like oh how would you find out i just searched in google and Mm -hmm. sometimes people will be like right near my practices or sometimes they'll be a little far off too and i don't know i might have a misconception maybe i'm no
1: i don't think you have a misconception actually what you just said confirms what i've been thinking and the way i've been running my how we say digital enterprise so to speak, when it comes to my clinic. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the thing. Unless you've got products and you're selling them all over the place, you actually do not want to be found on a search that's not local. You don't want someone in California finding you. Right. That's not helpful for you or them. Mm. And it's really annoying when someone in California calls and says, hey, i got a few questions about acupuncture. It's like, yeah, you're gonna waste my time now, uh. right? Because you're in California. You should be calling someone in California you only want people locally yeah and this actually works to our favor because i think even in a google search you can get yourself even in a crowded environment you can get yourself on the first page of google in an organic search if it's local yeah and really what you want is local you want people that are like 25 miles around you that's it right right and so put your address at the bottom of every page. Put it in the footer. Ah, uh, okay. Right.
0: Yeah, actually probably in your case that works a little better for my, what did I put in my oh I put the neighborhood. of a neighborhood called Williamsburg. Better practice I put Williams so that's what it says right at the top of the page. But this is right at the top of the page. Great. Acupuncture in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Perfect. And people find me. Exactly. Or now they call now where I live is has another name because it's gotten a little more fashionable, East Williamsburg.
1: Ah, uh-huh, East Williamsburg. Now we're getting niche here. Yeah. But Yeah. I think that's really helpful. I think you're right, that you want to put something on that locals would recognize.
0: Yeah. And so I do pay attention to the Google. I go in there once in a while, every month or so. Not that often. I go in there make sure the information's up to date. Mm-hmm. Look at the hours. There's a way you can post stuff. I actually haven't really mastered that. very well. I haven't kept that up as well either. But once in a while, I'll post something. But I ask patients. I think the reviews help. So getting patients to put reviews. Testimonials on the website, I think, are helpful, but I think they're probably a little more useful in something like Google Maps.
1: I think you're right about that. Because it seems a little more third party and therefore a little more yeah. like trusty in some way.
0: Even though a patient who things don't work out so well, I'm not going to ask them to write a review. <laughs> Fortunately, I haven't had any disasters where people have had had it out for me and wanted to write and ask reviews.
1: Well, there's always that thing about people having it out for you. But if you do good work, generally speaking, people will write good reviews.
0: Yeah. And I just my way of doing it. I mean, even when things don't really work out, I try to, this is another human being. They hate my guts, you know, just try to end it and, in a way where there's some mutual respect.
1: Have you had experiences in your clinic where it's like the patient ends up hating you? Or are they just disappointed?
0: Not in my clinic, but in, not that I know of, <laughs> mm. but I work out of a community-style clinic mm. uh, nearby called Tiger Lily, and once in a while, I get a patient there. I've had a couple who's just been like, what are you, like, I don't know, they could get really annoyed, and then they disappear, and you know, it didn't go so well, but but actually, I've never had anything where it's just been like like a horror show. I mean, I've had some difficult patients. I don't like them a lot. Don't give me all your difficult patients, but I like getting a difficult patient once in a while. I think it's interesting. I think there's there's something there to treat, something to address.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And something that's a nice challenge for me is how can I connect with this person in, in a positive way?
1: Well, and I think there's also different kinds of difficult patients. Yeah. Um, some people just have really abrasive personalities. Yeah. And they're darn hard to get along with. Mm-hmm. They want to get it for, you know, less, and they want you to give, like, more service than you usually give.
0: Yeah, there's that, too. Yeah,
1: but Those people are very difficult. It's like there are some people, it might not even be possible to help them feel happy.
2: Yeah.
0: And you know what? When I've had patients like that, I recognize that, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to give it. If I have a really good connection with a person, I, I probably will go a little extra for them, and the person that I don't, I don't. But then I kind of treated them with respect. I actually did a really good job. I've done a good job in the situations placing the right boundaries, mm. and I give them kind of a simple, straightforward treatment. I don't blow up at them. I go, okay. I realize it could go there. I don't let it go there. And then they, a lot of these patients, end up loving the treatments. You go, oh, thank you so much. I feel so much better. That was really great. Yes. I'm kind of shocked. I'm thinking, oh, they're going to run out and be like, oh, fuck you.
1: I'm never coming back. I'm not shocked. And here's why I'm not shocked, because I just heard you say these words. This very much rings true for me. Boundaries and respect. Yes, you can do this. No, you can't do that. And do it with respect. Boundaries and respect, a lot of times, And being a human being, I know a lot about this because I can be as big a jerk as anybody else in this world. But when someone lays boundaries down with respect, oh, there's a kind of safety that goes with that. And I know someone means business and I know not to fuck with them,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: Yeah. Actually, I would like to have Donald Trump or even nowadays Vladimir Putin as a patient. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and try that out. Cause I think even a little thing with one of those guys, you might be able to, you know, make the world a better place. Just help ease whatever the fire is underneath them, if you can ease that a little bit. And set with those boundaries.
1: That is some high level gong fu that you're talking about here.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, you can blow up any country you want. Yeah, I understand
0: that. Okay. Yeah. They've wronged you, whatever you you say. But let's let's just, here we go. Let's let's get to work here.
1: (laughs) It's easy to see that kind of thing out in the world, especially in larger-than-life characters, like politicians. Mm -hmm. Because they're like archetypes, like Greek god-type archetypes, like bigger than life. And all their faults stand out to a dramatic degree because they're so colossus and colossal in their energy. But I suspect that a lot of our patients, you know, they got their own place where they're being tyrants to their family or their kids or their loved one or even to themselves. Mm-hmm. So to be able to, like, some boundaries on the tyrant and and treat them with respect and then help them get what they need so they don't have to be such jerks.
0: Yeah. Inside, there's a human in there. It's a little bit. Modified version.
1: Well, we're all modified versions. Yeah. (laughs) I want to come back to one more thing on websites. Okay. Imagery. You were talking about, number one, not stealing it, like be ethical. Right. And get something that stands out a bit. You were talking about you wanted something that didn't look like everybody else's.
0: Another way is to use your own photographs. Yeah. I have some pretty good photographic chops, so I use mostly my own photos. But I think most people feel probably have some decent mm. photos on just on their phone that might be relevant to the website. It can be abstract, mm-hmm. or it can be more specific. And maybe I didn't put any doggy pictures on mine. <laughs> that's for insta. I say that for Instagram. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I have like pictures of nature in mine, for example.
2: Uh huh.
0: So that that's something that could be in there. A picture of you, I think that's really important, the bio and a picture of yourself. You know, who is this person? What should I expect when I come to a visit? And some literally will do that. Mm. I've seen websites who've had that question. I think that's kind of a good move, is what to expect in your acupuncture visit. But you you can be less direct, too, just to kind of give them an idea what's going on. I mean, you don't have to tell them everything. That's too much, too many words.
1: No, no, no. there would be TMI. Yeah. But you can say something to them about what they can expect from the imagery that you use. Yeah. You most assuredly can. Yeah. And I have been surprised at the number of acupuncturist websites that I've run across in the past, I'm going to say six-ish months. Mm-hmm. No picture of the practitioner. Uh It's maybe some kind of a new trend or I don't know. Yeah. But it seems to me that a really well done, professionally crafted picture of you, again, who is this person? You want to show something of like, hey, here's me. Yeah. And not like a a fuzzy granny with someone cropped out of it. Right. But like, hey, me, like in really high resolution and good lighting.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean... You have to show you're not a bot.
1: Well, I think you have to show that you care.
0: We don't have that yet. I'm sure that'll become one day acupuncture from a bot, but... Deep faking acupuncturists. But that could be, you know, you said the fuzzy picture you cropped out. You could have those as well. But I agree, like, that shouldn't be the one that... You should have, like, a really clear, well-taken, if you can do professionally taken, just a head and shoulder shot. Mm-hmm. But some photos of you hanging out in the woods or, you know, on the streets having a coffee, that could be good too. Depends on the message. Videos can be good too. That's like a thing. And there was a a teacher of mine, Ann Jeffries, her her website's down now. But I think this was a pretty professionally done one. But she had like a, a little video of her walking through a park in New York City talking about acupuncture. And that was, I thought, wow, that's really great. And, you know, as simple as that video looked, it's just her talking in front of the camera. I'm sure that was right. pretty difficult to pull off. It takes several takes and a lot of preparation and editing. But
1: So instead of a, a page with about me and a bunch of text, you've got an image. Hey, we're going on a walk. Let me tell you about my practice. Let me tell you what I do here. Yeah. Medicines, weird stuff. Acupun- you think acupuncture is weird? I agree. I think acupuncture is weird too. Can we to come and talk about it? <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Perfect. There's <laughs> the cell. <laughs> I mean, I actually have at the very top of my clinic page, it basically says something to the effect of skeptical about acupuncture. Well, you should be. Come on. <laughs> you grow up with this. Yeah. Does it seem weird? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm an acupuncturist. It is weird.
0: I would hear some students in school say, oh, you have to believe for it to work. And I'm like, What? No, you don't. Like, I think that actually helped me because I came from this Western culture. So I always had a harbor a little skepticism. To this day, sometimes I'm going, was that a placebo treatment I just did? Or was that something real? Sometimes you're not sure. And I think it's healthy to have a little bit of, healthy bit of skepticism. Not like, ah, oh, this is never going to work.
1: That was Well, skept, it's not going to work. Isn't, that's not skepticism. That's belief. Uh There's a difference between skepticism and belief.
2: Uh
1: And I really invite people to be skeptical. I want them to be skeptical. Uh Let me tell you the people that I know I'm going to see them once, maybe twice, maybe twice, but usually once. They're the people who come in and go, acupuncture, it's going to cure me. Uh Like, cool. You've had acupuncture before. It's helped you. Like, no, I've never had it, but I know it's going to cure me. (laughs) Like, great, I'm going to see you once, mm-hmm. maybe twice, because they're just going to be disappointed. Yeah. But the person who comes in and goes, will this help? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's convince him four times in a row. At the end of that, we'll both know it'll help you, if it'll help you, yeah. and in what way it might help you. And then we can decide a way forward if we want to do that. People love that.
2: Yeah.
0: And it has to work on both ends, because it's not every patient. Like, some patients can be like, What? You mean you don't know what's going to happen? That's right, bucko. They want you to tell a story. They want you to put a little fantasy around it.
1: I'm happy to tell them a story, but that's not the story I'm going to tell them. Mm. I'm going to tell them the story of exploration and discovery. That's what I'm going to tell them.
0: And I think that's one of the unhealthy things about our medical system. I mean, there's a lot of things we can point to that are wrong, that are problematic in our medical system. with insurance you know we could go with that could could be a whole series of programs of conversations but but patients like people and i'm guilty of this too sometimes i'll go to the doctor and i don't ask questions i don't have that skepticism i don't want to see and yeah come on doc give me something that's going to cure this i'm not one into drugs so i'm not going to actually say that I think, oh, I'm putting myself in this doctor's hands. Therefore, I'm going to be healthy after this visit. Everything's going to be all better. And I think that's that kind of expectation from patients, like this very passive role for their health, I think that's a problem with their medical system as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not people's fault. I'm not saying that people are just... It's we've been conditioned to think that way.
1: It seems... And this is often why people come to our offices because the promise of Western medicine didn't pan out. Mm -hmm. And what's the promise of Western medicine? You look at any of those commercials on television. Mm -hmm. Promise of Western medicine is you're gonna get better, you're gonna look like these happy people here and we're not gonna ask anything of you. You're not going to have to participate Mm -hmm. to be in a different place. You're just going to be in a different place and so that message is put out again and again and again, like endlessly. And so of course people end up disappointed. You know, and they feel cheated. And I mean, sometimes it works great. Yeah. But often enough it doesn't. So they fill up other offices looking for an option. Yeah, Western medicine, when it works great, it is pretty miraculous. Chinese medicine, when it works great, is miraculous. Yeah, there you go. Chinese medicine, when it doesn't work great, isn't so great either. Yeah. Well, my friend, anything else to say about websites that that people might need to hear? Well,
0: another thing is, I guess this comes naturally: is maybe look at other websites. Maybe mm-hmm. not even necessarily all practitioner websites. Look at other practitioner websites, and what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And what I said before, like start off small. Don't think big ambitions. You know, don't think, like if you want to do e-commerce. If that's really important to you, there are ways to make that simpler. One of them is is a lot of our distributors, I know like Camel and I think that Lassa and others offer affiliates. So you can use their resources to sell stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you get a fee for people buying stuff.
0: Yeah. So that's an easy way where you don't have to build the whole thing into your website. But yeah, like keep it simple and you know just think about what you want to communicate
1: to your patients potential patients. Well I can see you that you clearly think like a graphic designer go look at other websites I mean, graphic designers are always looking to flesh out their swipe file, right? You go and you look at like really great designs like I'm going to make a copy of that, not because you want to make a copy of it and, but that you can use it for inspiration, go yes, these aspects of this design, I love it mm-hmm. You know, I might be able to use it somewhere You can get a lot of great ideas by looking at other sites, like you said. Wow, I really like how that looks. Oh, the other thing is don't overlook
0: the words. You think, oh, you just spill out a bunch of words and there you go.
1: You're talking about copywriting.
0: Yeah, so copywriting, getting the words on paper or words in an electronic format, that's great. That's your raw material, but that's only raw material.
1: So what does it take to create? this could be a whole podcast by itself, but give us a couple of pointers on creating compelling text. One simple thing is
2: you put
0: out everything you want to say, go through that and cut it in half, (laughs) not just cut it like in the middle in half. Maybe that'll work, but you know, yeah, yeah. Everything that you've got to say is I got to say this. I got to say this. I got to say that. Cut that in half so that, this is, I think, friends, like in journalism, they, there's this thing called, like, called kill your babies. Mm-hmm. That sentence there, you say, I got to have that. And you're so attached to that. Is that helping? Is that getting across? Is this making the message being received? No. No. Yeah, maybe that's important. That's important information. But I get word counts are great. Like when you put in a form and like that's what used to be great about Twitter. Not that I was a big user of it, but they had a character account, and so...
1: Right, short and sweet. Yeah. And let's face it, most people don't read these days. Right. They really don't. Most people don't read, and so they kind of skim. Helps to do like little headings and a little something about it, and a heading and a little something about it. Mm -hmm. People catch that.
0: Then for the more motivated, Mm -hmm. you can start adding things like a blog, some resources, but maintain that stuff. Don't let it go stale. And that gets people in. You kind of give them stuff for free. Educate them a little bit. Give them some information, some health self-help.
1: And you know what else it is? It's another landing page for your website. Every blog post is a custom tailored landing page for people interested in that subject. Yeah. Just make sure your contact information's in the footer. Yeah, (laughs) there (laughs) you go. All right, well, hey, thank you so much for joining me today. I always love yakking about medicine, and I love yakking about technology. I think Mm. technology is our friend, and we can use it to really, really productive ways to help us in our practices.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think there's some challenges in our world and how we're adapting to technology, but I think there's a lot of wonderful things that we can get out of it.
1: Could you imagine having to paste up a brochure of your practice old style and print them out and then hand them to people? (laughs) (laughs) We've come a long way. Yeah, definitely. All right, Michael K. Good luck with your practice. Thank you. And it was really,
0: I really enjoyed the chat. You know, it was a good conversation just being able to Go go wander about a little ways into
1: medicine and technology. It's always nice to take a little walk about. In 1998, when I first started my practice, I actually made brochures for my new practice. I know, that's antiquated now. But back then, it was a thing. But I was on the cutting edge, so I also made a website which really was nothing more than my brochure, but it was online, I thought I was pretty up-to-date back then. And you know what? I was too. A lot has changed since then. But what hasn't changed is that you do need an effective way to communicate to potential patients how you can help and why you're the person for the job. I particularly appreciated Mike's thoughts on the single-page website idea because so much of today's interaction with the Internet is via mobile devices. I'm an old dog. I still mentally default to thinking Internet means computer. Dang, it really is hard to change old habits, especially habits of thinking. So that reminder to make things mobile-friendly, that is an annoyingly Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.